0: Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. It is episode 9 of Strange Sound. I'm recording this on, let's see, it's May 3rd. So, this should be posted right along, maybe on the 5th. We'll see. We'll see how we're doing. Anyway, glad to be back. Very glad to be back. Hope everyone is doing okay in these strange, strange, and increasingly strange days. Well, I have to say, uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, it's, I mentioned, I believe in episode eight that, uh, I had gone to the hospital and, uh, had a procedure. I'm feeling quite well. I'm actually, um, feeling much more like myself. Uh, and I may have mentioned last time that I had been um, during the course of my three or four day stay in the hospital here in Upstate New York, I was exposed to someone who um, had some kind of exposure to COVID nineteen. Um, I was contacted by the hospital and then by the health department, our local health department, um, to tell me that I was, I had in fact been exposed. And then I was under, um, a stay at home order or a quarantine for 14 days, better than the original, um, definition of quarantine, which was a 40 day sequester. This is a 14 day sequester, um, based on, um, whether or not you're symptomatic. Of course, um, if at the end of the 14 days you are no longer symptomatic or you are not symptomatic yet, then, uh the quarantine is lifted. Um, I have not at any point been tested for the virus. Uh, I did pass the 14-day mark and it was released, though there was some some confusion about this. I received a lot of calls from my local health department. And there were different people and they were all extremely helpful and they were very nice folks. Um, I appreciated them keeping after me, more or less. Uh, but It seemed like every time I talked to someone different, there was a different date of exposure and a different, um, end date to my quarantine. So last week on Thursday, when I got my near daily call from the, uh, health department, uh, they told me that Thursday, um, actually they had called me, I believe on Tuesday. And then they said, well, you're, your quarantine will be up on Thursday. That will be th- your first day past the quarantine period. And I said, Oh, okay. Uh, previously, I had heard that it was later than that. And they said, No, it's Thursday. And so they called me on Thursday. Um, and I believe they called me on Thursday and just said, You know, this is, you know, you are now released. And I said, Great. Um, so the next morning, early, I went to the um, local supermarket where I usually shop and I did my shopping and I kept my distance and I wore my mask and I wore my gloves and I was, uh, you know, very careful as as I have been in recent months and I got back and we put away all the groceries and I was uh, working from home that day and I got a call from the health department and they said, well, this is your last day of quarantine <laughs> <laughs> that was friday um as, as confusing as it may sound and it is confusing i will i will allow it is extremely confusing um i am definitely uncontroversially past my period of quarantine i'm not exhibiting any symptoms i don't believe i've caught the virus um though again i haven't been tested even though we have been repeatedly assured by our president and by other people in the administration that it's very easy to be tested, that there are millions of tests that we're doing. We're testing than any other country on earth or all of the countries combined. Um, of course, on a per capita basis, that really just puts us ahead of Belarus. Um, we're sort of towards the end of the list on a per capita basis, but never mind. And also the processing of the tests is, is a little iffy and the um, administration of the test and the you know supportive materials performing the tests um, are not available. So uh, suffice to say, even though I was supposedly exposed to the COVID-19 virus, I have not been tested. So I do not know whether I am a carrier or whether I'm not a carrier. Um, But I have not exhibited any symptoms. So I think their assumption is that after two weeks, if you are not exhibiting any symptoms, then you have not contracted the virus so there's nothing to worry about go out there and knock yourself out and so that's exactly um well that's not exactly what i did but that's i have observed the end of my quarantine anyway that's where that sits no big deal right so uh what am i here to talk about today well I thought I'd talk a little bit about Mr. Joseph Biden um, presidential candidate, last man standing in a 22, I believe, member field of Democratic candidates put forward um, late last year, including such luminaries as John Delaney and uh, Tim Ryan um, and other people like that. Uh, many, many people, many more than anyone can name Marianne Williamson, who is actually, actually would have been kind of a decent option (laughs) as it turns out. She's seems like she's got some pretty good sense. Um, anyway, last man standing, Joe Biden. Uh, the news obviously this week was about the, um, Alleged um, sexual assault um, that he is accused of having committed back in the day, back in the early 1990s when he was a senator. And this coming from a former, um, forgive me, she was a staffer uh, in uh, Biden's senatorial office. In the early 1990s, and she claimed, she is claiming that uh, he um, sexually abused her, um, attacked her. In essence, I won't go through the details. Uh, it's public, you know. You've probably heard it a million times. You don't need to hear me repeat it. Um, I heard this this woman, uh, Tara Reed, I think her name is. I heard her uh, interviewed on Democracy Now. Uh, I thought it was it was a very disturbing story. Um she seemed credible to me. Um on that particular broadcast that's the only time I've ever really heard her talk about this. Uh it's it's a problematic thing for uh, the presumptive Democratic nominee to have come up. And again, it's really kind of putting in stark relief the degree to which people consider this to be um, an important issue and the degree to which they are committed to the notion of uh, believing women when they um, make what seems like uh, an an earnest claim about what happened to them. And it is in the nature of these crimes and these are crimes. It is in the nature of these crimes that they are hard to prove, particularly decades later. It's just part of the story. If there's no one there to witness the, the act, then there is, there's no evidence of it. Um, a lot of comparisons have been made with um, the Kavanaugh accusation uh, leveled by uh, Blasey Ford. Um, That's, uh, there are some, I I think important differences, um, particularly with regard to the account. Um, It wasn't just her and Kavanaugh in the room. There was actually, there were other people present uh, there was someone else present at the time of the alleged assault. Um, but again, this is, uh, once again, it comes down to, you know, one person's word against another, um, maybe two people's word against another. And, uh, issues of credibility. I found Bosnia Ford extremely credible, convincing. Um, and Tara Reed is not unconvincing. I have to say, I mean, listening to her her story i was i found that very disturbing it's not hard for me to imagine that a powerful senator who's been in the senate since the 1970s um and had been in the senate for uh something like 20 years by the time this allegedly happened um it wouldn't surprise me terribly that somebody with that kind of history would um put someone in that position, uh, that's not surprising in some way. I don't really know very much about Joe Biden personally and what his, uh, what his personal history is with regard to women other than just, you know, his marital history, that sort of thing. I know a little bit about that. I know about as much as anybody knows about these things. Um, but he, um... He was a powerful senator. Um, Did this happen? There's no way to know. Not sure why someone would make this up, but don't know. Um, It's no secret that I I was not a supporter of Joe Biden in the campaign for president, Um, that I was a supporter of Bernie Sanders, and that I would have actually preferred almost any other candidate than Joe Biden uh, for a variety of reasons, none of which have anything to do with this accusation. I think this accusation makes him an even more problematic candidate. Um, but not by a huge amount. And I'm not suggesting that it isn't what's, what's being, he's being accused of is not a serious matter or, um, a serious crime, right? If true, what I'm saying is that Biden's history as a Senator, um, the positions that he's taken, the, uh, work that he did as a Senator is more problematic in a lot of ways than his, um, his personal history and his, um, personal transgressions you know however you know heinous they may be Um, who knows if this story were true there would be probably other examples I can't think that it would be the only one time that he would ever do something like this if he were inclined to do this but um, whatever the case may be I find even more problematic um, his support for You know, the Iraq war, uh, which led to a lot of killing and rape and abuse and God knows how many people um, were not only killed, but abused in various ways um, as a result of the work that he did in that direction. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, relatively speaking, this is a bad thing. To me, it's not as bad as a lot of the other things that he's been involved in. And that's not to say it's, you know, again, I'm not saying don't worry about this. I'm saying this is an important question, but he's already a very compromised candidate on a bunch of different levels. Not all of them policy-related. Some of them performative. Some of them substantive as far as his ability to, you know, Execute a campaign, a successful campaign against somebody like Donald Trump. Problematic. So that's a political issue more than anything else. But again, we find ourselves in this position because the Democratic Party, the institutional Democratic Party, always goes here. They always go here. This is what they always do. And I think I talked about this a little bit a couple of episodes ago. Think about it. In 1968, after assassinations and, uh, you know, just a, a horrible gut-wrenching year, um, both overseas in Vietnam and home, um, the Democratic nominee for president was the vice president. Why? Because that's what the party, that's who the party thought would be the best standard bearer against the nominee on the on the Republican side, Richard Nixon. Uh, they were wrong. He lost. And we had Richard Nixon for president. Okay, so Um, Fast forward to, well, I mean, I I count amongst um, these examples uh, the election of 1980. I mean, we had a contest between Jimmy Carter and Ted Kennedy. I personally thought Ted Kennedy would have been a better candidate against Ronald Reagan, would have been a little bit clearer a choice. Um, you know, uh, an incumbent president obviously has political advantages and, and naturally um, as it turned out he, uh, Jimmy Carter sort of came out on top. But in 1984 um, there was several several people running on the Democratic side and the party clearly preferred Walter Mondale, who had been Jimmy Carter's vice president for four years. So it was his turn and they pushed him forward and he lost and lost extremely badly. It was a 49 state landslide in 1984. And that more or less cemented um, Reagan's legacy. Reagan's toxic legacy, I should say. So that was 1984. Um, In 2000, there was a contest between um, Al Gore and uh, Bill Bradley. Um, And, you know, it was possible that Bradley would have been a better candidate. Hard to say. Um, But The party wanted Al Gore to run against George W. Bush. And that's what we got. We got the party guy. We got the guy whom the party leadership felt comfortable with. And he lost. He won the popular vote, but it's not a popularity contest, right? We have the Electoral College. You have to have a candidate who can win the Electoral College. And we didn't have one. As it turned out. Lots of caveats on that one. There's a big asterisk next to, that, next to that one. But for God's sake, if Al Gore had won New Hampshire in 2000, he would have been president. He wouldn't have needed Florida. So we needed somebody who'd, who could win New Hampshire. <laughs> and we didn't have it. So uh, that was the party's candidate in 2000, right? Um, 2004, same thing, right? Uh, they coalesced behind John Kerry. They felt that he was the strongest candidate. He lost. In 2008, their favorite candidate did not win. The party's chosen standard bearer, Hillary Clinton, did not win the nomination and the insurgent so to speak candidate barack obama went on to be president and served for two terms that's uh probably the most electoral success that the democratic party has had on a presidential level um i don't think there's any probably about it since lbj since um actually since fdr So, uh, there's that. And then in 2016, once again, the party's favored standard bearer, Hillary Clinton, wins the nomination, loses the general against perhaps the most ridiculous person who has ever been president of the United States. Someone who should never have been anywhere near the presidency who is now our president because the democratic party decided to run an extremely compromised candidate whose turn it was to run for president. And there we had it. And she couldn't pull it out for a variety of reasons. Some of her supporters will say because uh, Bernie Sanders didn't help her enough. Bullshit. Bernie Sanders did close to 40 rallies for Hillary Clinton in the general election cycle. I think he worked harder than she did. So uh, that's a bunch of crap. She just couldn't get over the finish line. But she was the favorite candidate, and they put her forward, and they lost. This time, it's even clearer, right? Right. Except that Biden, in a lot of ways, is even more compromised a candidate than Hillary Clinton was. After all, Hillary Clinton, during a large portion of her public life, was first lady, right? She was involved in decision making, but she was not, she did not hold a constitutional office. You can't really say she was the author of the policies of the um, Clinton administration. She had an advisory role. Joe Biden is much more bound up in the policy choices of the 1990s than Hillary Clinton was. He bears much more responsibility for um, the carceral state, for instance. Um, A lot of the policies that, that followed from that. A lot of the things that uh, Hillary Clinton was criticized for, Joe Biden um, could be considered the author of a lot of um, a lot of these bad policies, and I'm saying this because these are things that are going to be thrown at him, and people need to be ready. So, along with the Tara Reid um, accusations. Um, the accusations of rape, uh, there will be, I mean, that will be thrown at him, but my guess is that they will lean more heavily on the policy issues because they want to paint him as the author of unpopular policies, which in a lot of ways he truly is. I am not making an argument for voting against Joe Biden. Far from it. I'm saying this is the kind of baggage that he brings forward and he is the favored candidate. He is the selection of the institutional democratic party. Now, look, (laughs) I've said this before and I'll say it again. I suppose it's worth repeating. We lost supporters of Bernie Sanders, people on the left, We lost this nomination fight. There's a bunch of different reasons why we lost, but we did lose. We're beginning to win the ideological battle if measured by the degree to which people support the policies that we put forward and that Bernie was putting forward. But we lost the election because we didn't have enough votes. It's as simple as that. It was obvious in Iowa when there was a kind of a squeaker photo finish with Pete Buttigieg. Amazing that it would be that close. It was obvious in New Hampshire when in a broad field, Bernie Sanders pulled it out, but only just. And with something like 20% of the vote. Whereas last time he earned more, I think it was more than half. I think he got over 50% last time. Um, That's not enough. Not enough strength. The people didn't show up. Nevada, he did better, a lot better. But that was a caucus. That was um, a contest amongst activists. And he did very well amongst activists. But one thing that Bernie did not do, and it's because I think he thinks it's bullshit, and he's right, is a lot of the prep work, a lot of the the glad-handing, that's involved in running for president. A lot of fence mending. A lot of kiss the ring stuff. That's the way presidential campaigns work, unfortunately. I wish it were just a matter of getting $27 campaign contributions out of millions of people and somehow inspiring those people to come out and vote. That would be a great way to elect a president. And that may still happen. It just didn't happen this time. I went into this year ready to see an army of young people and an army of people of color and an army of women marching out to the polls and putting Bernie over the top or putting some other um, progressive candidate over the top. It didn't happen. Even though people largely agree with us in the Democratic Party, even though there's um, substantial, overwhelming support, in fact, for single-payer health care, a um, whole range of issues, they still voted in the center because they perceived that as their best chance of getting rid of Trump. And that's what they want to have happen. And that's the thing that we face here. So we're saddled with Biden, at least for the time being. I don't know what's going to happen. It's hard to say. It's a long ways to November, Um, especially in a year like this, anything can happen. So it's hard to say. But assuming that Biden becomes the nominee the Tyler Reed story is going to be one part of it. Probably not the biggest part. Of uh, his uh, wheelbarrow full of baggage that he's carrying around. Indeed. I saw him, uh, I saw pieces of his interview on Morning Joe. Talking to Morning Mika about... The accusations against him, not very ably handled, I didn't think, but not, not terrible. It's just as uh, Sam Cedar said, it's kind of graded on a curve. Um, he's just performatively not very good. Repeats himself too much. Methinks he protesteth too much. Okay, that's pretty bad, but there you go. And these are thorny issues. I get it. The thing about Kavanaugh, and I'll just kind of close on this, is that um, people make the comparison between uh, Biden and Kavanaugh. The thing for me about Kavanaugh was that I never really believed that the accusations against him, as credible as they seemed, would be enough to stop his nomination. Because... The Republicans had the votes they needed to put them over the top, and my, and the calculation has to be: is this bad enough for them to feel compelled not to, you know, push their cause forward, and put it in the face of their uh, of the opposition? And it just never seemed to me like they were all that worried about this. I mean, if you think about, you know, just the performance of people like Lindsey Graham and. Um, you know, Grandma Grassley. Um I think all you gotta do is like go back and, you know, watch some of the video once again um and see how they were behaving. The thing that I think shocked me the most about that entire episode was Kavanaugh's behavior in defending himself where he demonstrated that he did not have the type of personality you would associate with an associate justice on the Supreme Court. He demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt to anyone with any sense that he should not be on that court, that he did not have the temperament to be on that court. Regardless of what the facts were with regard to um, his um, alleged attack on Blasey Ford as a student, Um, a highly privileged student Um, he just pushed that entire thing aside he demonstrated that he does not have the temperament or seemingly the judgment or the just the evenness um, or the maturity to be a Supreme Court justice and I invite you just to go back and watch the video of some of his testimony after Blasey Ford testified. You just look at that and you tell me if that individual... First of all, he demonstrated that he was exactly the thing that she was describing. He was, he was that... He's completely unreconstructed, privileged, 17-year-old kid. It's like he reverted back to what he was back when he supposedly assaulted her. And I I can totally picture that happening. But regardless of the truth of that, and we'll never know exactly because of the nature of the crime, <laughs> he demonstrated why he should not be on the Supreme Court. So, I mean... I. In some ways, uh, that's the challenge before uh, Joe Biden right now is, you know, how performatively and, you know, how how he defends himself and how he performs from this point on in the public eye, you know, is he going to be able to convince people that aren't people like me who are going to pull the lever for a Democrat no matter what because... I know the consequences of not doing that. See a couple of episodes ago. Is he going to be able to convince people who are less reliable voters than me to go out there and pull that lever or mark that ballot or, you know, send in that ballot, right? Because that's what we need. We need people to vote for him that did not vote in 2016. We need people to vote for him who... um, didn't vote for the top of the ballot in 2016, sat on their hands, or voted for somebody else. That's what we need. And it's an open question as to whether he can convince those people to do so. And that's all I've got to say about it. Now I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. I'd be glad to hear from you. So drop by... My site on Anchor.fm, it's anchor.fm slash strange sound, all one word. And you can leave a voicemail. I'll play your voicemail on the podcast. You can um, send me a message via Twitter. Um, uh, We're at um, at strange sound pod. Uh, You can also find us on... Facebook, if you go to the anchor.fm slash strange sound page, um, there'll be links to our social media accounts. So you can contact me on Facebook. You can contact me via Twitter. You can leave a voicemail via, um, anchor.fm. There's all kinds of different ways to get in touch with me and to become part of this conversation. I would love to hear from you. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been strange sound. And it's stranger still. So, take good care. I will talk to you again very soon. So long.